Good morning. Our Pathfinder theme this year is He Said Go. I believe this to be divine intervention because normally on an Oshkosh year, our theme is the same as our Oshkosh theme, which would be Forever Faithful. But this year, He Said Go was sent out by accident and the directors decided to stay with that theme instead of changing it and using Forever Faithful. And we'll do that next year. So what is God trying to tell us? What was the theme of Brooks' presentation last week? Essentially, it was that we need to go out and proclaim the love of God and knowledge of Jesus and share it with those around us. Do you realize that when an evangelist has a series of meetings, he may speak to 100 people, and maybe 10 of those will decide that they want to follow Jesus or know him better? I have nothing against evangelism, but it'll take a long time for the word to get around the world at that rate. Now, if we each, on the other hand, witness to 10 people, and five of those people decide to take the Lord in their heart, and those five people go out and talk to 10 people, and five of them decide to take the Lord into their heart, etc., etc., it would get around the world a lot faster, wouldn't it? So what do you think the Lord is trying to tell us? Brooke's sermon last week, the pastor's sermons the last few weeks, and now the Pathfinders are trying to talk to you and tell you that we need to go. This personal witness is a very effective tool in spreading the gospel, and I believe that it's God's message that he's been trying to instill in us um, to help us to lead or impress others uh, on your heart, impress on your heart that you need to go. Um, just coming and sitting in church every week is not going, okay? You're not going far enough. So now each of our pathfinders, they were told the theme is go. Choose somebody in the Bible that was told to go. So they've each chosen a person that they found in the Bible. We didn't choose them for them. They chose them themselves. They have written up a little talk about he said go. And they are going to talk to you a little bit about who was sent, how they responded, and perhaps what the results of their choice was. Imagine this. You're instructed to do something so crazy, so out of the world, nothing, something never heard of, and instead of keeping it to yourself, you're supposed well, keeping it to yourself so that no one knows about it, only you, you're supposed to let the whole wide world know. It must be embarrassing, right? I mean, if you really think about it. To make things worse, people just laugh at you and make fun of you. The only people you have by your side is your family. And in the end, your guys are the only ones standing Everyone else is gone. Now, I'm sure you know that I'm referring to Noah and the ark. Noah was just an old man sent by God to go and build a bo humongous boat and gather seven, oh, I have to get this right, seven clean <laughs> animals and two unclean animals and warn people of a flood. Noah, yes, Noah didn't refuse and did as the Lord said. God wanted this task done 
because the world was corrupt with violence and sin. When the day came, Noah, his wife, and his three sons walked into the, into the ark along with the animals and birds and every kind of food. When they all stepped in, the doors shut, and it rained, and it rained, and it continued to rain. People realized Noah was right and started screaming and banging on the boat doors, but only God could open the doors. And it was too late for the others. For 40 days and 40 nights it rained, and when it stopped, the world was new again. What would you have done if you were in Noah's place? <coughs> what if Noah didn't follow God's commands? If he didn't, where would we be right now? Noah did what God said because he knew God always has a reason for when he says go. We should never hesitate to follow God's command, no matter what the task is. And he said go. God said go to many people in many ways. One of them was a man named Abraham. Before I get to that, let me tell you something. As Adventists, we say we will do anything for God, but would we? To all the parents in the room right now, turn to your children. Aren't they cute? Don't you just love them? What if the Lord told you to go and sacrifice him or her? Would you? Is your faith really strong? Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews 11:17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. In plain English, what does this verse mean? To me, it means that we should have faith in God, no matter if the situation doesn't look right. God will always provide. Abraham was dedicated God. He wanted a child, but his wife, Sarai, Born him no children. Sarai told Abram to go have a child with one of her maidservants, Hagar, since the Lord didn't give her children. Years later, God spoke to Abram, telling him to keep his covenant, and he shall no longer be called Abram, but Abraham, since he was now father of many nations. And as for his wife, she, she may no longer be called Sarai, but Sarah. By this, Sarah will bear you a child, and you will call him Isaac. Let's open our Bibles again to Hebrews 11.11. 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father, because he considered, considered himself faithful, who had made the promise. Through faith, anything is possible for our mighty God. Abraham loved his son Isaac. To show faith, the Lord tested Abraham. What if you were told to go sacrifice your children? Right now, right here, who would say they would go sacrifice their child? Some people might say no, because in our commandments, it tells us we shall not kill. Do you have faith in our Lord like Abraham did? In the book Genesis chapter 22, the Lord speaks with Abraham, telling him to go and take Isaac his only begotten son, up to the region of Moriah as a burnt sacrifice. The next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took two servants and Isaac. 
Abraham grabbed enough wood for the offering and headed up where the Lord commanded him to go. Isaac calls to Abraham and exclaims, the wood and fire are here, but where's the lamb? Abraham answered Isaac by saying, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. When they got to the place the Lord told Abraham about, he built an altar and placed Isaac on top. Taking out his knife, the Lord called out to him from heaven, do not lay a hand on the boy. Abraham passed the test and God provided them with a lamb. All was good. God gives us tests through life to show our faith, to show that we truly are his followers. All you have to do is hear him say go. And are you gonna answer the call? Have you ever felt as if a person, animal, or object was leading you to the Lord? Have you ever led someone to the Lord? Well, in the well-known Bible story, Moses and the Burning Bush, a sheep had led Moses to the burning bush. Later on in that story, this led up to Moses and the Pharaoh, but that is later in the story. Most of you may not know this, but this was the first time God had told someone his name. The name God meant powerful. That's what he was known as since the flood, but his true name was I am who I am. In this story, Moses had lived in a camp with others. Then, one day, when he was rounding up all of the sheep, one sheep wasn't going with the herd. So Moses had followed that sheep up a mountain and into a little cavern. In that cavern, he had seen a bush on fire. That bush spoke to him and told him to take off his sandals. So Moses took off his sandals. Moses did not know this, but he was speaking to the Lord. The Lord had a mighty mission for Moses. That mission was to go to the Pharaoh and tell him to let his people free. Moses was questioning the Lord by saying, what if they ask me, what's your name? The Lord had answered by saying, tell them I am who I am. Moses still had wondered what to do. Then the Lord said, take this rod, and when you place it down, it will turn into a snake. So Moses had finally agreed and set off for Egypt. So Moses may have not, want, had not wanted to, see and go, to go and see his brother, but the Lord had a mission for him, so he did what he was told. Moses had gone on his donkey back to Egypt to set his people free from the Pharaoh. When he arrived, Moses said to the Pharaoh, Let my people free. The Pharaoh did not do what Moses had told him. There were disasters. After the consequences were through, the Pharaoh had let his people go. Moses had done what the Lord had told him to do. With the Lord's help, we can share the word of the Lord. See, the Lord can help us with many things. That's why we should go out and spread the word with others. He said go. When God says go, he means it. He could say that to anyone, but if he says it to you, then that means that you're one of God's chosen. In 1 Samuel, there's a boy named, well, Samuel. He was small when his mother, Hannah, gave him to the priest, Eli, and Eli grew, uh, and Samuel grew up with Eli teaching him about the temple. One night, Samuel was sleeping with Eli, and Samuel heard a voice calling about him. He got up, and he thought it was Samuel. He went to his bedroom and asked what was going on. Samuel said, I didn't call you, 
and he told him to go back to bed, and Samuel obeyed. Two more times this happened, and on the third time, Eli told Samuel to go and say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel went back to bed, and he heard the voice once more, saying, Samuel. And Samuel got out of his bed and said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. And God told him that he would take Eli's place as the priest of the temple. So this is a what-if question. What if Samuel didn't listen to God? Well, if he didn't, then Hannah's prayer would have been for nothing because she said that she would dedicate him to God. If God calls us, will we be ready? Will we be willing to answer his call? I know I will, and I hope that you will be too. When God told David to go. Have you ever heard of the story of David? The, king, the story of the shepherd who drove a lion from his lambs and served a god, I mean king? The man who, in Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, had so much faith in God that he went up against a sword and spear-wielding giant with a shield, armed only with the name of God and a slingshot? David took care of his family's sheep, which was considered a lowly job. However, God saw that his faith was strong and his heart was kind. So he commanded the prophet Samuel to anoint him as the Messiah. Samuel then told David of his destiny to rule Israel and of the incredible task set before him. Let's think about, David, let's think about how David must have felt. A rustic southerner, the youngest son, and a shepherd was to be a king. Ridiculous is probably what he thought. He probably also thought that he wasn't worthy of such an honor of becoming a ruler and the Messiah. But he listened to God and did his will. Would you have been able to do that? To leave behind everything and do something you thought was impossible? Let David's faith and willingness be in a lesson and an example to you. Go. And he said, go. So I'm going to talk about Esther. I'm sure everyone's heard about her and that she was a, be was a very beautiful Jewish girl. Her uncle was Mordecai. When the king Ahasuerus needed a new queen because his queen was not going to come out and show her beauty to the king and his officials, it made him furious. So the king had several young virgins come before him so that he would choose a new queen. Esther was one of them, and she won the king's heart with her beauty and manners. When, the, when she told Mordecai the great news, he told her, her she must go before the king and ask that, her, ask that he save her people. At first, she did not know what to do because no one went before the king without being summoned. So she prayed to God, saying, Please let the, the king find favor in me. So she went before the king, and he accepted and did not turn her away. So from there on, the king let her people go free.
Do any of you think that God tells people to go and spread the word or to complete a task by saying go? Just go and don't come back until you're done? Do you think that the person will have any idea of what he wants you to say? No, right? That's why we all have to listen and understand what he says to teach and every one of us so that we can go and pass it to, on to others. In Ecclesiastics 8, 2-8, it reads, I say, keep the king's commandments for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever he pleases him. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly. For he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him what when it will occur. No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit, and no one has power in the day of death. There is no release from that war, and the wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. So in these words I've heard that you should never forget or break any commands of that what God has given you to hold in your all of your hearts. Because there'll come a day where there'll be a judgment on all of your deeds done. So God tells you to go and spread the word once you understand it to talk about people and keeping the commandments running through your life and inside your own heart. Also, since the word of God is in you, there is a plentiful amount of power within you. King Solomon, unfortunately, realized that these commandments were not to be messed with. In Ecclesiastes, it talks about how you must find the way of God in your early years because if you begin to follow in later times, it might just be too late. In Ecclesiastes 5, 1-7, it says, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God, and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore let words be few. For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to have vowed than vowed and not paid. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was in error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there is also vanity, but fear God. So there must always be communication with God, keeping your promise to God, and you should never wait to pay your promise. I hope that you take this into consideration into your lives. He said, go, Isaiah 6, verse 5. Then said I, who is me? For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim, flew to me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Send me. And he said, Go, and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Our God is an awesome God, who not only loves us, but forgives us for our sins. We are challenged to go. Go and tell the people of our gods 
word and love. And he said, go. Long ago, there lived a man of God named Jonah. One day, God told Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and tell the wicked people there to stop their evil ways. Jonah was fearful of going to Nineveh because the people that lived there were not, were not very nice. Jonah was not looking forward to the dangerous mission God had chosen for him. After thinking about God's request, Jonah decided to pack for the journey to go to Nineveh. He doubted he could do much to change the people there and thought that if the ship became too perilous, he could always turn around and return home. There was much doubt and fear as Jonah started on his journey. Partway there, Jonah came upon a fork in the road. One road led to Nineveh, and the other road led to the seacoast town of Joppa. Jonah gave in to his fears and decided to take the road to Joppa. From there, he hoped to find a boat that would take him far away from God in the dangerous city of Nineveh. One ticket, please, to anywhere, Jonah said as he arrived at the pier in Joppa. Jonah paid the fare for the next ship scheduled to leave. The ship was sailing for the city of Tarshish. Jonah quickly boarded the ship. Jonah thought he was very clever. What better place to hide from the Lord out at sea, he thought. But Jonah, thought, but Jonah forgot the very important fact that God was always there by his side, every moment of every day. There was nothing Jonah could do to escape God or his great plan for him. God decided to remind Jonah that he is always present. He sent a windstorm over the sea that rocked the boat wildly. The other passengers, other, the other passengers on the boat bent down on their knees and cried out to their gods in fear. They wanted to know why they were being punished. Concerned for themselves and the other passengers, the crew members went from person to person, asking each of them if they had in some way angered God. When the crewmen approached Jonah and asked if he had angered God, Jonah, Jonah hung his head sadly and answered, Yes, I have disobeyed God, and now I'm running away from him. But it is too obvious to me that there is no escaping the will or the Lord. I have risked your lives as well as my own. Jonah sighed and told the crew members, Throw me overboard, and God will calm the sea. He's upset with you, not me. Save yourselves and send me to my fate. The crew, the crew members, right, um, oh, he is upset with you, not me. Save yourselves and send me to my fate. The crew members felt sorry for Jonah. Rather than throw him overboard, they decided to row through crashing waves that grew higher and stronger with each passing moment. As the waves grew even more powerful and the boat was on the verge of sinking, the crewmen decided that they had no choice but to throw Jonah overboard. Jonah splashed into the sea and watched as the waters around the boat calmed as it sailed away. Jonah was revealed that the boat and its passengers were safe, though he was very worried to be all alone so far at sea. Jonah decided that his only chance was to try to swim back to the town of Joppa. While Jonah was swimming towards the distant shore, he was unaware that he was not alone in the water. Coming up from behind him was a huge whale. He came closer and closer until it was just a few feet away. Jonah was startled when the whale made a terrific splash just behind him. Jonah cried out, Dear God, I have failed you in your mission. I have been weak and I have lacked courage. Now do with me what you will. I deserve nothing more than to be swallowed up by this whale. Accepting his fate, Jonah decided to turn I mean, Jonah turned to face the well. He could see his own reflection in his huge eye and barely recognized his own appearance. He looked small, weak, and scared. Jonah said to the well, If you are hungry, please put me out of my misery. I deserve nothing more than to be eaten by you. God spoke to the well and told it to swallow Jonah whole. The well's stomach was so large that Jonah could stand up straight and still not reach the top. There was no escape, so Jonah did the only thing he could do. He knelt down and began to pray. Dear God, Jonah said, I have sinned against you. I did not go to Nineveh as you told me to. I did not warn them of the dangers of their evil ways, and so I am just as guilty for their sins as they are. Dear God, please forgive me. After three days and three nights inside the well, 
Jonah heard a loud rumbling from within, and he was sure that it meant his end was near. He sat with his eyes closed, desiring with all of his heart that, he, that if he had been a better person in life and that if he had spent more time being close with God, this situation would have never happened. After another rumble, Jonah found himself caught in a terrific wave that carried him out of the whale's stomach. The wave was of such force that it hurled Jonah almost to the shore. Jonah stumbled onto the sandy beach. With renewed spirit and faith, Jonah began to walk toward the city of Nineveh. He was looking forward to doing God's work and showing God how grateful he was for all of his wonderful gifts. When Jonah arrived in Nineveh, he spoke with such strong belief that all the townspeople listened intently. As he spoke of God's loving and merciful ways, he noticed his reflection in a nearby pond. He was not the weak, frail man reflected in the well's eye, but rather the reflection of a man filled with the strength that only God can provide. In the morning, uh, Jesus came to the temple um, to teach all the people came to the uh, temple. And he sat down and taught them then the stripes and the purities came to him. Stoner, 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 she committed adultery. And the and the wait, and Jesus said, "Let." who have no sin, throw the first stone. Woman, where, who, and where are the the ones who cued you? Are they here? No, Lord. Neither do I cued you. Yeah, I guess. Go, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Happy Sabbath. Uh, my sermon today comes from Mark 10, ver- uh, 10, verse 46 and 52. I want to tell you about an, a man named Bartimaeus who had such great faith in Jesus that when Jesus told him to go, he did just that. My story is set in Jericho, where Jesus and his disciples had traveled to. As they were walking through town, they came upon Bartimaeus who was on the roadside begging for what he could get from anyone. He was blind and couldn't actually see Jesus, but he heard from others who was there and called out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus heard the plea and called for Bartimaeus. Jesus asked him what he wanted done for him, and Bartimaeus replied that he wanted Jesus to restore his sight. 
So Jesus told Bartimaeus that because of his great faith to go your way right away, his sight was restored and he followed Jesus down the road. Can you imagine having such great faith in Jesus, just knowing that he will take care of you and your needs? I hope you all take this lesson to heart and believe that he will take care of your needs. And in return, when he tells you to go, go out into the world and spread his message and help him make it that much sooner for his return to take us home. He said go, breakfast by the sea. When you go fishing, how often is it that, when you, that you try all day or all night and you don't catch anything? Not very often, right? Well, do you trust Jesus enough to know that when he says something will happen, that that means it will happen? In John 21, 2 through 6. Let me find that. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out immediately, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But in the morning, But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. So far from verses 2 to 5, what happened? Simon Peter announces he's going fishing. Everyone goes with him. They're up all night and catch nothing. Then all of a sudden, this guy that they have no idea who it is, is all like, Hey, you got food? Well, to me, they act completely calm, but I know us as humans, we'd be like kind of thinking negative things like, what do you care? I don't know you. Who are you? What do you want? Things like that. But that's what Satan does. He, pu- he always puts negative assumptions in our minds. Let's read on to verse 6. And he said to them, go cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. The fishermen at this point still don't know who is speaking to them, but they still trusted the voice when he said, go. I believe that they were accustomed to hearing the word go, which isn't always an easy task to do. Just go. So the lesson we can take from this is be prepared to go. Go for Jesus. Listen to the voice. I guarantee you'll know when he's calling. I hope you take the opportunity. In summing this all up, you know, we've just finished a series of meetings. And we've had, and we've accepted the challenge to go out and spread the gospel. And I like what the pastor read just earlier today in Steps to Christ, that we should all go. But go where? Why should we go? So what? 
We can open our Bibles and find people that was told to go. We also see men and women of today that accepted the challenge to go. Why did they take this challenge? Was it something that has been on their heart? Maybe God has spoken to them and they have accepted the challenge. Now let us look at go where? We turn to the Bible and we turn to Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Go ye and teach all nations. Again, we look at Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6. Jesus there is talking to his disciples and he's, he's telling them where to go. He says, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into the city of the Samaritans. Enter not. So enter ye and enter into a house. Then we turn to Luke 9, verse 6, and he says, And they departed and went through the town. Now we look at why should we go? Luke 9, 6 tells us we should be preaching and teaching. And then in Mark 1, verse 2, it says that we are messengers with a message. In Mark 1, 3, it tells us that we are a voice crying in the wilderness. And in Romans 1, verse 16, it tells us that we should be ready to give the gospel. There are a lot of people in the world that needs to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some will accept it, and some will not. But we must let all know that there is something to look forward to, to know that Jesus is coming again, and we have to be ready. He said to watch and know of my coming. Many will be deceived, and many things will take place. Know of them. We must be like John the Baptist. He was preaching, teaching, and baptizing, preparing the way for the Lord, so that others will know of him and take him into their hearts so that they may accept the gospel and choose to be baptized. We turn to Revelation 22, verse 12 to 14, it says, And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give to every man according to his works. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Again, we turn to our Bible in John 12, verse 35 and 36. Jesus there is telling the people of of old something that is good for us today. He said... 
Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. So what? Send me. Send someone else other than me. You may say, I am not ready to go out and preach the gospel. But God has promised that he will be with you. Then you ask, can I get people ready for baptism? God has told us to prepare the way for the Lord. We, must, we need to share the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Will people be ready for the big feast that God has planned for us who follow him? We can all find excuses while we don't want to go out into the world. But we all should say, Lord, send me. I know that I love the Lord, and I want to follow him, and I want all to share heaven with me. We turn to Christ's object lesson, page 326, and it says, Our Lord teaches that the true object of life is ministry. Friends, don't delay. Jesus is coming again. And he wants all to be present in his kingdom. How sad if someone missed out on heaven because one of us neglected to share the love of our Savior. He said, go. In Luke 14, verses 6 to 24, there's a story told about a rich man that prepared a feast, a great supper. And he set his servants out to invite the ones that he had invited to tell them to come. Everything is ready. But they all made excuses, and they asked to be excused. When the servants returned and told the master what had happened, the master told them to go again. But the master said, Go all into the streets and the lanes of the cities and invite the poor, the main, and the blind. And it was done again. And he sent them out, saying, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. For the master has prepared a great feast for those who would come. We want to be ready for the great feast that our Lord Jesus Christ is preparing for us. Revelation 16, 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. We turn to the testimonies of To the Church, volume 9, page 19, it says, In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen, and light bearers. To them has been entrusted the last warning of a perishing world. On them is shining wonderful light from the word of God. 
they have been giving a work of the most solemn import, the proclamation of the first, the second, and the third angel's message. There's no other work of so great importance. They to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. We turn to Patriarchs and Prophets, page 657, it states, Every failure on the part of the children of God is due to their lack of faith. And on page 253 of Education, it says, Faith is trusting God, believing that He loves us and know the best what is for our good. Thus, instead of our own, it leads us to choose His way. In place of our ignorance, it, it accepts his wisdom. In place of our weakness, his strength. In place of our sinfulness, his righteousness. Our lives, ourselves, are already his. Faith acknowledges his ownership and accepts his blessing. We turn to Psalms 32, verse 8, and I like this verse says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thee should go. I will guide thee with my eyes. Jesus said, go. Let us all step out in faith and be ready to go.